Welcome to another edition of Integrated Informatics with Paragon Consulting Partners. Um, this edition is hosted by myself, Lori Lafleur, and Jeff Williams, two longtime veterans in the imaging informatics industry. Want to say a quick hello, Jeff? Hello, everybody. October is just around the corner. In our industry, this means preparing for RSNA. I know that's always top of mind for everybody at this time of year. And with everything going virtually lately, including RSNA, we've decided to explore the good, the bad, and the ugly of virtual conferences. So on that note, with us today, we have Brian Casey, Editor-in-Chief of AntMini.com, here to talk with us about his experiences with virtual conferences this year. Welcome, Brian. Hi there. Hi, Laurie. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Definitely our pleasure. We're looking forward to this. So, Brian, just to sort of kick off the uh, conversation, could you provide a little bit of background, maybe about yourself, how you sort of came to this and a bit of background about yourself? Sure. Um, so uh, my website is antmini.com, uh, and we, we like to think of ourselves as the, um, the premier uh, portal in, in radiology. Uh, we've been around for, gosh, 21 years now. I think we launched at 1999 at RSNA. Um, I've been with the, with the site since the beginning. And um, we try to cover kind of, you know, a lot of different aspects of radiology. We, we do a fair bit of uh, writing about clinical news, so new, new research studies that come out. We also cover uh, business news. So, you know, whenever the, the, the vendors have new products they launch, we cover that. Uh, we have a, a lot of educational content. So we have a case of the day, which is a daily challenge case that radiologists can do that kind of walks them through a patient who, who shows up with, with some images. Uh, a couple of things that are more recent that we launched, uh, we have something called board review, which is uh, kind of a, a sample of the board exam. And, you know, we've also got forums and, and different things like that. Yeah. And with that, you know, broad swath of content uh, that I know I follow on Ant Mini regularly, and I'm sure many of our listeners do as well, um, you've become a fixture at a lot of the events, you know, that I've gone to, you know, I'm always watching your live streams and we see each other around the conferences. So I'm wondering how many virtual conferences have you attended this year? And, you know, I know we've attended a few. And so I'm curious on your experience and which ones you think were sort of the best or most interesting of the ones you've attended. That's a great question. Um, th there have been a lot and it's it's been really challenging for somebody in um, you, you know, in this business, because so many of the conferences moved to virtual to kind of keep track of them. You know, some of the ones that that I've attended, uh, European Congress of Radiology, um, which I believe was back in July, um, the International Society for Magnetic Resonance in Medicine was another one over the summer that I went to. Uh, then we had a, we had a number of shows that some of our other editors did, uh, the Society for Nuclear Medicine and Molecular Imaging. Um, we attended the Society for Imaging Informatics and Medicine. Sim uh, was another real good one. So, um, you know, there's been uh, there's been several in there that I've been to. In our experience, or at least I can speak for myself, um, you know, Jeff, I'll, I'll let you speak, I guess, to your own experience. But, but in my experience, I've been seeing sort of a trend in these virtual conferences where uh, many of them are really trying to almost mimic an in-person conference. And, and I'm curious, I haven't really seen anything jump out at me as particularly creative in the way that virtual conferences are, are being managed. I mean, certainly you can't treat a virtual event, I think, exactly the same as an in-person event. And there's certain differences, of course, to those two experiences. Um, have you seen the same thing? Has this been your experience? And I guess the sort of the second half of that question is, 
have you seen anyone or any conference or, or vendors, anybody at a conference doing something particularly creative to try and really capture the virtual environment? Yeah, I've seen some some really cool stuff. Um, you know, it, it, it is a it is a challenge, and I, I think that one of the challenges is kind of because there are there's such a proliferation of of virtual platforms out there, and nobody's really standardized on a single platform. For example, with with video conferencing, you know, most people have standardized on Zoom. So you have a meeting on Zoom, you kind of know where all the buttons are, you know how to get your virtual background up, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, and sometimes you might get, you might get a Google Meet in there, um, and then maybe you might get a GoToMeeting. But for the vast majority of video conferences, you know, it's, it's kind of a standard platform. The, the virtual conference environment is, is totally different, and there's just this sort of almost Tower of Babel of, of all these different platforms. And so the challenge that creates is that if you're either an exhibitor creating a booth or you're an attendee, every time you go to a meeting, it's just a brand new show. And that creates a, a lot of challenges because it's not always obvious how do you chat with a vendor? Uh, how do you get information from people? How do you get your solutions in front of these attendees? And we're all really busy. We don't have the time to go in and kind of learn a brand new environment, you know, every single time we have a virtual trade show, especially when there are so many on the calendar. So I, I think that that's kind of the challenge that that everybody is facing. And, and if we were able to standardize on a single platform, I think that would make it a lot easier for everyone. Another one of the challenges is a lot of these platforms, they're, they're not really very functional, you know, like you, you go into a vendor's booth. And maybe there's a chat feature and maybe if, and you've got some PDF downloads and, and, you know, and links, and maybe if you're lucky, you might have a video chat feature, but it doesn't really approximate the real experience very much. Having said that, I have seen some really creative solutions. So what Canon did is they actually had a link to another portal that was an entirely different vendor from the, uh, the virtual platform the virtual conference platform that had a lot more functionality and then, then they could walk people through the booth that way. And, and, you know, I was really impressed by the level of content that was in there and the things that you could do, you know, you could look at videos and you could, you've got, you know, all the different modalities that were in there. And, 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 and that was, you know, that was pretty cool. And, and I think that if, if companies were doing that sort of thing, I think that you might be coming a little closer to approximating, you know, a virtual conference experience. So Brian, I, I know that you, have been doing virtual conferences for years with that many. I've attended a lot of them. In fact, you guys just completed your fall conference um, completely virtual. Is there a difference in how people are engaging? Are they getting more comfortable with engaging? Did you notice any differences or deltas from previous virtual conferences and this fall conference in terms of maybe people are getting more used to interacting in this way or they're not or they're tired of it? Um, I think it might it might be a little bit of the latter. So we did two this year. We did one in um I think it was March and it was the end of March, first day of April, and so it was in the spring, and then we did another one in the fall about six months later. And so the first one was you know, if you remember, the destination conference season kind of fell apart in early March when, you know, mm -hmm. we had HIMS and, and ECR both deciding to cancel. And so all of a sudden there was just this, this huge hole that opened up in, in terms of, um, you know, education and interaction and, and the need to make sales and things like that. And so we really kind of, you know, sprang into action real quickly and were able to, to stand up our spring virtual conference really quickly 
And, you know, I, I have to say, we were really blown away by the response. I mean, we ended up with over 5,000 people registering and we had tons of people in the events and it really kind of exceeded our, our wildest expectations. Wow. Um, so fast forward six months later, and then we just did the fall virtual conference. And, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, it was a successful event. We were really happy with it. And we had, we had thousands of people uh, registering, but you know, it, it wasn't kind of the overwhelming response that we got with the first one. And it's possible that we were, it, it's a little bit of an apples to oranges comparison because the first, the first meeting was very broad, it, you know, covered all of radiology. And the second one was a lot more focused. We were just talking about enterprise imaging and artificial intelligence and radiology. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a, you know, a, a segment of radiology as opposed with the first one where we had sessions on breast imaging and, you know, CT lung imaging of COVID and stuff like that. So, you know, I think as a general rule, I think that people have, there has been a little bit of burnout with all the virtual meetings. And I think people are maybe being a little bit more judicious with their time. And, you know, maybe the other issue is just the fact that back in the spring, you know, radiology volumes were down by, you know, at least 50%. And yes, and a lot of radiologists probably were not working a lot. And so maybe they had a little bit more time. You know, as things maybe get back to normal a little bit, I think that's going to really impact some of these events. And, you know, we'll probably talk a little bit more about RSNA coming up because that's sort of like the thing that's on everybody's mind is, you know, what's a virtual RSNA going to be like? And, yeah. um, you know, I'm not really sure if anybody knows the answer to that. Yeah, I, I've been talking to a lot of different people. Um, not only just in the industry, I, my next door neighbor is a, uh, is an elementary school teacher and, um, I get lots of, lots of feedback and input into distance learning and, and the frustrations that she has and the, the lessons that she's learned and the things that, you know, best practices they're adopting in terms of trying to engage <clears throat> students, you know, and once a student, always a student, right? I mean, we talk about how kids don't sit, sit still, but you go to a conference and you see people multitasking and, and that's in person, let alone, you know, virtual, everyone's toggling between screens and, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. they're, they're, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're checking email or, or whatever. Uh, hopefully they're not reading at the same time that they're, they're totally multitasking, but, sure. uh, <laughs> but, um, trying to apply some, maybe some different approaches to how we, how we even, um, engage virtually because I mean, I, you know, I can, I can speak to this because I, I know that you, you would appreciate this because I've run into you more than one occasion at the yeah. concerts in the Bay area. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and so, you know, I, so I know you love live music as much as I do. And when, when everything, you know, got shut down, um, you know, everyone moved to streaming and it's just, it's, it's a fraction of the experience, right? I mean, it's just not close to going to see a great band live yeah, watching yeah. The stream and, you know, no concert, you know, no, no crowd interaction, no, no opportunity to run into people you haven't seen or, or realize there's people that, you know, that like the same bands, but just to kind of introduce RSNA, you know, I know you have um, always been kind of at the forefront of content development. I mean, you do, you're at RSNA interviewing people, you're doing Facebook Live, like Lori alluded to earlier, you're doing streaming, uh, you know, you're bringing people and personalities and, and thought leadership into, into the marketplace through these conferences, just by running into people in the halls and, and scheduling time, you know, 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there. How do you replace that? Uh, was something like a virtual RSNA. Have you started to think about how, you know, from, from that perspective alone, just in terms of content development and bringing ideas to the market like you normally do, have you thought about how that would be different in a virtual event? Yeah. Um, 
We have, and I don't know that that we've how much we've settled on it. Um, you know, I think we're going to try to do as much the same as we we have before. You know, like for example, our road to RSNA preview. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna do that just like we did before. When it, when it comes to video, I mean, the, the, just you know, writing articles about presentations, that's pretty easy to do, and and actually, this new model makes that easier to do because, like we we noticed with the ISMRM, for example, uh, a lot of those talks were pre-recorded. When you, I, I don't know if you, you've ever seen a journalist in a in, in a, a medical meeting, but trying to capture everything, you're you're sitting there and you're like hammering away on a laptop and you're trying to take pictures of slides, and you know maybe you're if you can get a tweet in there, you're trying to do that, and so it's just <laughs> like you're juggling all these different things at once. But then to have to have everything just like recorded right in front of you, and you can stop it and you can back up and you can take a screenshot i mean it's it's really kind of a, a journalist dream to have the, all this stuff you know pre-recorded like that for you but there's other a lot of other elements like you you mentioned of what we do at these meetings is we you know we do a lot of video uh we do we do uh interviews with key opinion leaders in radiology and ask them you know well, what's you know what's hot right now what's going on and we do things like our minis. You know, we we award our we go to the booths of, of vendors and we award the mini awards for you know best new radiology device and um, you know most effective researcher and things like that. How are we gonna replicate that? You know, are we gonna have a Zoom trophy presentation? Um, maybe. You know, those are some things that we're kicking around. So you know, fortunately, the tool there the tools are there to do a lot of these things. Rather than do an in person video interview, we, we could do a Zoom interview. So I, you know, I think that it's going to in in the next few weeks, it's going to take, uh, you know, a lot of these things are going to come to to come together a little bit more. But uh, that's a great question, and I and I actually don't totally know the answer. Is is how are we going to try to replicate that that in person experience? And start building on that um, in our industry. A lot of procurement uh, cycles really do center around the RSNA timeframe. There are a lot of healthcare organizations that are going out to RFI, to RFP, and they're hoping to leverage a conference like RSNA um, to make some purchase decisions, to get yeah. some early vetting of, of the vendors, get a closer look at sort of what's new and what's coming. Um, and so, you know, you're mentioning all of these things. Uh, you know, one of the funny things about, about vendors and having worked with a number of them, you know, I, I can kind of laugh about this and I'm not sure how obvious it is to, uh, <laughs> to the attendees at the conference, but there's this whole strategy that goes into where is my booth placement going to be? How can I get my signage as high as possible without incurring right. the extra costs of putting the signage up? And how am I going to be the most flashy and, and trying to atta- attract attention to your booth in, in all of these visual, um, creative ways to try and bring those people by. Uh, but now in a virtual conference, that's a whole different um, approach that vendors are going to have to take. And, and I know in the vendor circles that I've been running in anyway, there's a lot of nervousness that's going around the concept of the virtual conference and whether it's going to be worth the marketing dollars and which package should they be investing in? What should they be expecting as, a, as an, uh, an experience for themselves and for the attendees that come to their booths? Um, based on what you've seen, what piece of advice would you have for exhibitors when they're looking to uh, participate in a virtual conference and, and how can they determine you know, which ones are worth the investment and which ones aren't and, and what specifically they should be looking for um, when they're considering attending a virtual conference? Boy, that's a, those are great questions. Um... I think you know the bit. The, the, it all boils down to you know what's the return on investment for the leads you're getting, and I, I'd be really interested in seeing what some of the vendors have found have come from 
some of the shows that have uh, up to this point, you know, what's their ROI they've gotten for leads. You know, the other, the other side to the coin is, is exhibiting at an in-person trade show is really, really expensive. Um, you know, those RSNA booths are, are crazy expensive. And those, um, you know, all those union workers in McCormick place are really expensive yes, they are. and all those dinners are really expensive <laughs> and, and all the, the fly, you know, I mean, so the companies spend tons and tons of money, um, you know, flying people out to Chicago for a week and, and, you know, having them staff a booth and all this kind of stuff. So you would assume that there's a war chest there uh, that could be put to work on a virtual event, on a virtual booth. But the, the problem is that, a lot of these folks, they don't have the experience in doing that. And, you know, the people who are in charge of setting the booth up are really good people. And they've been doing this for a really long time. But having a virtual presence is, is a lot different than having a, 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 an in-person presence. And so I guess my advice would be to really try to look at what, what different options are available out there and to really dedicate people to, to, to really digging into the, to the possibilities. Because, you know, like I mentioned earlier about this vendor that had a you know, really creative solution for their booth, you know, they really went kind of above and beyond what I had seen up to that point. And, and they had to go outside the platform. They had to go outside the virtual conference platform to make that possible and contract with a totally different vendor. So, you know, I, I think when you, when, you, when you consider the fact that, you know, you're going to be saving a lot of money um, not sending salespeople to Chicago and, and paying for dinners and all that, you know, it's worth the investment to, to really take a close look at what's available and, 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 you know, try to make things dynamic, you know, try to make things dynamic, maybe with videos and images and things like that. Um, the other advice I might have is to really familiarize yourself with the full functionality of, of the platform you're working on. You know, have, have the organizer of the meeting walk you through it. Um, so, it, you know, it's really hard with these virtual meetings because a lot of times people think of them as being kind of a sideshow to their, to their, their real job. Um, but right now, this is, this is, you know, all we've got, you know, this is, you know, when yeah. it comes to a trade show, this is the only thing we have. So I think it's worth people's full attention to really kind of dig in there and, and try to maximize your use of it. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. And it, exactly to your point, it is so expensive to set up some of these booths and presences, you know, the show, I almost feel like the virtual event might, might even the playing field a little bit from a marketing budget perspective. Yeah, um, and Right. And give some of those emerging technologies an opportunity to, um, to really stand out. I, I'll be, I'm going to be very curious to see um, what comes out at RSNA and, and how that dynamic changes for sure. Um, but then what about the attendee perspective? You know, the, I've heard a different batch of concerns from attendees and, and those ones being, well, you know, I have all these digital booths. So I'm not going to have time to, you know, obviously participate in meetings or, or everything, all of them. Now, how do I sort of sort through the noise or what, you know, sessions should I be attending? Do you have any advice specifically for people attending the show um, from the provider side and, and how that differs from a virtual experience and what they should be thinking about? Well, that's, you know, you know how, how do I spend my time at RSNA is, is a question that's been around for decades, as long as RSNA has been around, you know, right. and you never have enough time. You never have enough time to do all the things that you want to do. Uh, the one advantage here is, you know, because I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of this stuff's going to be recorded. Um, and I think that a lot of the other meetings that have been held, you know, it's, it's been recorded. So if you don't happen to make something, uh, uh, attend something in real time, you know, you can kind of go back and pick it up uh, later. And that's, that's kind of a, a, a cool advantage. Uh, you know, are you able to do that 
at the in-person RSNA, like if, if you miss, if you've got two simultaneous sessions going on and you can't make one of them, I mean, the other one just kind of disappears in the ether for you. Right. But, you know, here with these, you know, you, these are all, these are all recorded. So, you know, there could be some mixer events and things like that, that might conflict. But, you know, when it comes to the actual presentations, I'm assuming that they'll all, they'll be pre-recorded and people will be able to, to pick them up. You know, the one piece of advice that I would give to people is if you were at RSNA in McCormick Place, that's your entire week. You're not doing anything else. I mean, sometimes maybe you're you're making phone calls or you know, that, that don't have to do with RSNA and, and catching up on things. But um, you know, when you're when you're in Chicago, RSNA is you know ninety five percent of your focus. So I would advise people with the virtual meeting to to try to treat it the same way if you really want to get everything out of it. Um, you know, set aside time, uh, set aside your whole day, and 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 make sure that you know the, being at the meeting is the one thing that you can really do because um, there was a study that came out a little bit earlier this year and I, I tried to dig it up before we, we did the interview, but I, I wasn't able to, unfortunately, but they kind of went through the pros and cons of virtual meetings. And they said that one of the biggest disadvantages was that people don't set the time aside, you know, and that, you know, there's like the, does the chat function really approximate a face-to-face conversation? Not really, you know, um, is it the same seeing it on a computer as um, as seeing it live, um, you know, not totally, but there are other things you can do. But the thing that 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 really they found really um, detracted from the experience of the virtual event was that people just weren't making the time; they weren't dedicating their full attention to it. And so I would just sort of suggest to people, like you know, treat this like it was a real RSNA. You know, this is worthy of your full attention and. Um, and just make it make it your week, you know. Yeah, I think that it is really good advice. Um, there's so many virtual conferences, and and you know we we're largely in the imaging space, but there's a lot of other areas of of interest and things that you know we we are we participate in around analytics and other parts of the healthcare ecosystem. And there's a conference for everything now. And yeah. um, one of the things I found myself doing was essentially signing up for all of them. Um, oh, you're brave. Well. But what I was doing is I thought, well, I'll sign up for it and I'll attend what I can. And what I found is when I take that approach, I, I pretty much don't attend or I have it running in the background and I bring right. absolutely nothing. Right. <laughs> and yeah. so I actually made the point, like I, I said, when I joined, I joined two of the sessions for the, in the fallout mini conference last week, I actually, I actually carved those out on my calendar and, oh, and shut everything else down and listened. And it, it, it significant, significant difference. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've already made that decision that I'm going, I'm going to do that exact thing this year for RSNA. I'm actually going to take a couple of days as PTO, you know, I'm going to inform all of our, all of my clients. I'm not going to be available just like yeah. I would if I was going to Chicago. Yeah. Um, you know, because I believe that, that you get out of what you put into it. Right. And yeah. so, um, that's, I think that's just great advice. Yeah. And you know what we found from our coverage of ISMRM, we did a, a radcast this year, which is, is sort of our, um, it's sort of full court press. We have three, four editors covering sessions and we run, you know, four or five articles a day on, on the conference proceedings. And so this year it was obviously it was virtual. And then the year before, uh, it had been in Montreal and it was a destination meeting. And so we actually, you know, we've, myself and Eric Ridley and Wayne Forrest out there and you know we wrote articles and we did videos and and we did all that stuff and we actually found that our page views were went up this year 30 percent so we had more we got more traffic this year 
in our coverage of the virtual meeting than we did last year of our cover for coverage of the of the destination meeting. Why do you think that is? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it could have been that maybe the mix of the mix of the talks was a little bit different. Um, it could have been, I, you know, it, it's a really good question, but um, I'm kind of baffled by it. But, you know, those were the numbers. And having the sessions be a li- uh, virtual made it a little bit easier for us to cover for the reasons that I mentioned to you earlier, uh, because the reporters were able to just, you know, sit down and um, you know they were at their they're at their desk computer and you know they weren't they weren't sitting there in a presentation room in a tiny seat juggling a laptop and a coffee and a tape recorder and a right. cell phone. So um, I, I think that it was just a little bit easier to to kind of drill into exactly what we wanted and find the sessions that that we thought were really good. Um, but yeah, no, it up up thirty percent. It was it was kind of amazing. And looking forward, you know, to what conferences are going to look like once, you know, eventually I I fully anticipate that in-person conferences are going to come back. People will once again congregate and be able to go to these these events. But I I wonder if there's going to be uh, going to be a change or or almost a hybrid event. You know, you brought up some great points about, you know, recorded sessions and certainly some conferences already do that. Right. They the in-person conferences will record some of the at least the larger sessions um, and post those for attendees to view afterwards. But, um, you know, looking sort of beyond that, what do you think the conference of the future, you know, might look like if, if you were going to design the perfect conference uh, that sort of leveraged the both, best of both worlds, so to speak, what would that look like to you? Boy, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that one meeting that has, has done a really good job of posting, you know, of, of doing both live and online has been ECR, European Congress of Radiology in Vienna. You know, they've made really big investments in upgrading the uh, infrastructure at, at the conference hall there in Vienna to, to support doing a lot more uh, online viewing of events. And, you know, they do a lot of social media around that. Uh, that but that's mostly for the presentations, so they've done a really good job with the with you know being able to get on and and view a presentation online. What I don't think they've done as much of is the the exhibit, and that's kind of the thing that the the vendors are most interested in. And so I guess the, to, to to refine your question a little bit, you know, I I sort of feel like having presentations online not only it's the wave of the future, but it's the wave of the present. I mean, it's kind of already happening. The question is. Are we going to be able to replicate a virtual exhibit um, to the point where vendors feel like they're getting value for their money? And I don't know. I I, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, I I honestly, with, with the exception of some of the examples that I've cited earlier, I I haven't really seen very much that's really kind of you know floated my boat and made me say, wow, this is this is really going to be the future. Um, so you know maybe. Um, may, maybe this pandemic is gonna prompt somebody to to do that. You know, I, I think that the the thing that we all saw with the start of the pandemic was was how Zoom took over. And when um, when when this pandemic started, just everybody migrated to Zoom, and it just we all became kind of the Zoom generation. And and we haven't seen a platform take off like that in virtual virtual exhibiting. And I sort of feel like something needs to in order for for virtual exhibits to really get 
to where they can compete with destination events, I feel like we need to have like a Zoom for virtual conferences because otherwise then, you know, every time you go, you're not really sure where you are and what you need to click on and do this and that. And, and I'm not 100% sure if that's ever going to happen. You know, I, I think that people, um, people are really jonesing to get back to destination events. I mean, people are, you know, they really want to get back to Chicago. I mean, as much as we all like to complain about RSNA, you know, people are, you know, we're all going to really miss it. You know, we're, we're going to miss yeah. meeting in Chicago. We're going to miss seeing our friends and we're going to miss going to the nice restaurants and, and, and we're going to miss all that stuff. You know, on the one hand, there's this idea of, well, you know, did we ever really need to go to a conference? Um, because we can get 90% of the event just virtually. But on the other hand, there's this feeling like, you know, wow, we've really lost something. Um, you know, we've really lost something by not being at, actually at the event and talking to people. And my, my suspicion is that probably things will go back to 80 to 90% of what they were before. But I feel like, you know, for a lot of these smaller meetings, smaller events and things like that, I think that virtually really makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you're on social media at all and you see what a lot of radiology programs are doing in terms of, you know, keeping people together, keeping their, their residency programs together and keeping people connected. Um, you know, I know that internally, you know, we never really used to have a, a, a video call um, before all this COVID stuff happened. And, you know, now we, now we have a video call uh, every week and, and everybody loves it. it was, it's kind of like, well, how can we haven't been doing this the whole time? Cause you know, we're a distributed group, you know, we have people in the UK and we have people in Pennsylvania and we have people, you know, in California and Arizona and th these video calls are a great way to stay connected. And even if things go back to normal, we're going to continue to do them. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of small things like that, that are going to come out of this. You know, the traditional big conference experience, my guess is 80 to 90% of that will come back. Um, just, it just depends, you know, how long is that going to take? I don't know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and like any other technology, I'm sure that you know, now that we've exposed a, a need, unlike we've seen before for these types of virtual events, um, innovation is going to continue and, and people will find more and more creative ways to, to be engaging virtually and you know, to echo your point from before, you know, the idea of making, especially some of these smaller conferences, um, virtual definitely makes them more um, attainable um, for a broader audience, right? Who wouldn't necessarily want to incur the cost of travel and, and all of that. Um, so, you know, I think you're making some excellent points there. Um, listen, Brian, thank you so much for your time. I think we're running up on, on time now, but I just wanted to take a chance to thank you again for joining us today. Your insights on the virtual conferences have, uh, have been great. And I guess I look forward to seeing you virtually uh, yes. at RSNA, whatever <laughs> yeah. that looks yeah. like. Yeah. It's going to be interesting one way or the other. Likewise, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been really interesting. Good. Great. Thanks.